Hey, good morning. Another fine Saturday morning. Again, we're blessed with sunshine and uh, warm, nice weather out Saturday morning. So again, uh, welcome this morning uh, to another podcast. I think last we left off, um, uh, we finished off with your older brothers, and I think we are past Yo, and now we're on to Yosef. So can you tell me a little bit about your brother Yosef? Yeah, he was just above me. He was born on March the 19th, 1927. That's why they called him Joseph, because St. Joseph was celebrated on March the, the 19th. Anyway, he uh, he had a bit of a, uh, well, physical problems uh, as a baby, and uh, he had a cleft palate and lip. And uh, he had a few surgeries before he was four years old. And with the store being getting bigger and bigger all the time, uh, my mom and dad had built up the bakery and the store. And uh, it got too big of a burden for my mom to look after the kids she had already. I think there was four of them and Joseph was number five. And with all the attention he needed, medical and otherwise, uh, he, uh, my aunt, Aunt uh, Tante Rick, she uh, lived just up, she was my, my mom's youngest sister. Mm -hmm. And she came with my mom to kind of help out in the bakery. Mom was getting the children was somebody to uh, to to help out in the household and uh, then she learned she met my uncle and they got married and uh, they lived about a hundred yards up the street from us not even that much maybe and uh, they then couldn't have any children so then Tatrick said why we don't have any kids the burden is so big for you. She said to my mom, why don't I take Joseph and we'll raise him at home. My husband, uh, my home of Fons and, and Tantrix together, which they decided to do. And that made it a lot easier on my mom. And, but as things were going at the time, it did take long and uh, there was, uh, another pregnancy and another child and there is Fons and Fons died the day he was born at night and in the daytime he got baptized and at the same time they gave him a name if he had born dead mm -hmm. that would be the end of it but uh, because he was alive when uh, when he was born, when you get baptized, you get a name. Yeah. So that's why he, they call him Fons. Was he named after someone? After my uncle, Omer Fons. Right, so the uncle that was looking after your brother. And Joseph. that was, yeah. that just, They didn't know that beforehand, but that is how it worked out okay. eventually. And uh, uh, then uh, Fons also had medical problems and that is why he died that same day mm -hmm. 
And uh, from what I understood later, is that it was very fortunate he did die, because he was in worse shape. And it is very hard on the mother to have uh, a child like that, mm -hmm. and especially two in a row. So when uh, when I came along a couple of years later again, more or less, and uh, mom, first thing to do is uh, check everything out and how the eyes, the nose, yeah, everything is there. Five fingers on every hand, five toes on every foot. He's got, oh no, wow, we got it little, made. Little did they know. Uh, of course not. They they couldn't they couldn't know what they were in for. But anyway, there it was, and I think I may have gotten spoiled a bit because Mom was so excited. You see, I can have healthy children. It was a big thing. You need to get healthy children. And uh, well, here he's healthy as can be, and on and on it went. And as I went, and Gosh, he, he's so different than the others, and he's full of uh, zip and vigor. And, uh, so both mom and dad were very happy that, yes, so I was growing up, and then the gatekeeper kept tail, but born after me, and he was fine. So there was a couple of bad ones, but okay. Well, they, they were not bad, but I mean, uh, the needy ones, yeah. and then two good ones again. So uh, we kind of, when you grow up with the circumstances that you're in, and uh, Joseph having gone to to my aunt Rick. Just, I'm trying to. How much age gap was it between Joseph and you? Because I know Franz was in there. Uh, let me see, 27. There is four. Uh, there is four and, a half, four and a half years. Between four and a half and five years. Okay. And uh, see that between Joseph and me it was, was Fons. Yeah. And he was in, but they, yeah. I don't know the date of Fons yeah. because they never talked about it except yeah. I got the information. He lived one day and died. Right. So there's about four and a half years between you and yeah. Joseph, and Joseph is. Living with your aunt and uncle, yeah, just up the street. Okay, and uh, so they could give me more attention as if I needed that. And uh, Joseph was, but my aunt was spoiling him because he needed so much extra care, and he had had this operation and that operation. You know, they can operate on these things, yeah. and uh, which which they did. And he grew up and he goes to school and he needed some special speech lessons because the cleft mouth lets the air go through the nose and you have to learn to make the sounds like the the K and the, uh, the but in, in all of the G, the, G, the, the, the G. Um, they have to learn that but there was a teacher in the village oh maybe uh, 15 clicks away from ours and Joseph would go there on his bike and he gets a couple of hours of lessons every week and he has to learn that but it is kind of hands-on and this teacher he was fantastic in that respect he was well he he had that talent and Joseph 
you could tell that, of course, he uh, he had a speech problem, but not to the point that it impeded him of doing whatever he wanted to do. And uh, so he he was alone there, and my brother Harry, when they were younger, school age, was going to play with him all the time, and uh, so it was a good thing that. It was Harry's job to do it, because Harry and Josef, they got along fine with each other, Harry being more laid back, kind of. Mm -hmm. And uh, otherwise, I was on the other end of the scale, and I would have had to go play with Josef, and that never would have worked. Different personalities? Oh, so different, so totally different. On top of that, I didn't like the idea that uh, he was allowed to do things that I wasn't, but my aunt wanted to, uh, well, you, you know, Joseph has problems, so we got to let him do this, got to let him do that. And I got to make up for the difference, which was mine, and, well, automatically I didn't like that. Yeah. And there was the standout between my aunt and me. We, we just didn't click. And uh, she amply took it out on me in several ways. And whereas my youngest brother Theo could go there and he would get coffee, tea, chocolate, milk, or what have you. Mm -hmm. And uh, but Theo was the me docile kind of kid, and uh, I was just the opposite. So, well, automatically, of course, I stayed away unless she called me in and I had no way out. Mm -hmm. So I uh, I had to when she stood behind the gate calling me over, yeah. and because I remember one time. Um, Albert, so I go over, of course you, you go over, if you don't want the, uh, the punishment. And uh, yeah, well, uh, uh, Omer Fons is very busy, you know, he's working hard every day, the whole spiel, and we needed the garden weeded. I know you're not, the, but you don't want me to weed the garden, I thought. Uh, the, no way, I was going to go and play with Will. We have so much playing to do yet, I'm not going to sit in your garden. But there was no way. Sometimes you get a situation, there's no way out. So she told me, didn't ask, she told me, go home, get changed in your workload, put your coveralls on, and come back and weed the garden. And I was totally upset. And I had no choice. I knew there is no sense in arguing the point because she was right before I ever was, mm -hmm. because she was older. Anyhow, and got my aunt. What was Joseph doing at the time? He, uh, he, well, no, he, he wouldn't have to do that. Uh, he, he was playing with something or other mm -hmm. on his own because he was pretty good at playing on his own, which he had to do most of the time. And, uh, and then the next door neighbor had a guy about his age. The two of them got together sometime and uh, left them free and I had to do the weeding. Mm -hmm. I didn't like weeding. I didn't even like it at home. And I sure as hell didn't like go there and weed while I was gonna play with weed. We already had decided that when we were coming out of school. That's when you say wheel, this is Will Bardul. Will, Will Bardul, yeah. He, uh, he was my childhood friend. He was bar, uh, right up until he died. Okay. 
uh, and from the very beginning. And uh, so uh, that one fell through. We didn't play, and I told him when I got my covers on ready to go, and I saw him because he was waiting for me so we could go and play, and uh, then he said, we go. I said, no, I got to go weeding over at my aunt's place. And, uh, oh, that way it, forget it, we go play. Uh, I said, no, 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 my dad knows. Uh, I'm not going to go there. Uh, I go weeding, I said, we go play tomorrow. So I went to weed, and as I go there, I had a burlap back that I kneel, I could kneel on, and I had to pull those weeds out. It was easy enough, but it had to go, otherwise, the beans and what have you, peas, carrots, they wouldn't go because the weeds eat too much of the, the nourishment. The soil was not the best in the world to begin with. And uh, that's why it was a poor farming village. And uh, I thought, well, I'll fix this. And I pulled the plants out and I left the weeds. And I went in, I said, well, I'm all done. Okay, thank you very much, my aunt said, and, and then she gave me candy or something. And I went home, and there was no time left to go play, but at least I was sure she wasn't going to ask me anymore. And uh, the next day, I did go to play, because I didn't want more of the same of where the punishment came from. Because my aunt had been talking to my dad. And we had these beans and we had these peas and we had in the garden. And you know what he did? He left the weeds and he took the, the stuff out, the veggies out. But my dad, he, he knew that uh, it's just like him, but he had to punish me. You know, you can't let him get away with something like that because what the hell? Is, what, what is it going to be like when he goes up? And uh, at the time, it, uh, uh, the easiest punishment was corporal punishment. And uh, my dad never asked, uh, did it hurt, boy? You just took it and uh, be happy when it was done. So, uh, but anyway, I never had to weed again. Uh, I had to look after the chickens and clean out the nest and put fresh bedding in and whatnot. But I didn't mind that because usually I earned a couple of eggs that my aunt would give me and I could either boil them or fry them and I could, they mind, I earned them. And I would give one to Theo and I keep one. I always took the biggest one, of course, because I worked for it. And yeah, that is... Uh, uh, my connection with my aunt. She was a nice, a nice lady, but uh, we had didn't have congruent personalities, and she had it in for me. For some reason, uh, even the day I went to Canada, uh, it was a cold goodbye, like uh, other aunts and uncles. You get a hug and whatnot. No. Not with her. I wish you all the best, and uh, you better be careful. And you know what Dad said. And, you know, I get the whole spiel again. But and my uncle, he was 
never had kids of his own. Yeah. Uh, he was more like a friend to me mm -hmm. than an uncle. Mm -hmm. And I got along fine with him. It is just that I didn't get along with her. Yeah. Did you ever visit her again after you moved to Canada when you head back? When I went back the first time, that was in in '78, and they both were dead. Mm. So I never saw them after yeah. that. Uh, the same as with. Uh, several other aunts and uncles. In fact, they all died except one, and that was Homer Gratis. Mm -hmm. And when I went to in '78, uh, my brother Harry said, uh, "Because Joe was there too, and Joseph lived in Nijmegen." So Harry, uh, he said, uh, "Do you know that we have only one uncle left? No aunts, no uncles, only one." Oh my God! I said, "Holy mackerel, that tough old bird!" And yeah, he he's okay. Harry said, "He's okay." I said, "For sure." And he said, "You want to go and see him?" I said, "But he lives near the Hague, Voorburg." Well, that doesn't matter. We'll drive up there. So we drove up there, and that is when I saw Oh my God! And the second or the third time in my life. And that was the last time I saw him. I played a game of barriers with him upstairs. He climbed the stairs with his wooden leg and all. And he beat me in barriers too, bothered me, but okay. He played every day if he wanted to. And he was an avid uh, pool player or billiard player. And I just sat there and admired the man for what he is and for how he pulled himself through life with the depression and the adversities he had and the fact that he got blamed for that fire that killed my grandfather, you know, that weighed heavy on him. But he had about 10 or 11 kids and uh, uh, yeah, I, I still have in memory a very soft spot in my my heart for oh my God. Well, it sounds like he was the black sheep of the family, and they said you were the black sheep of the family, and it sounds like the black sheep seems to outlive the white sheep in your family. Uh, yeah, 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 because he was the last yeah. of his generation, yeah. and I'm the last in mine. Yeah. That's funny, yeah, indeed. So, just going back, so, uh, um, Joseph, so I know you didn't spend a lot of time in childhood. What, what, uh, did he go through school, or? He went through regular grade school yeah. and then he had to go to follow a course or a couple of courses yeah. to become an accountant. Mm -hmm. And uh, as soon as he had that, uh, he got could get himself a job. Mm -hmm. He got himself a job in Eindhoven. But anyway, uh, we had his future wife. We had a girl working at our place, and she was going to get married because uh, she, she was helping Annie in the household. So she was out in the household or in the bakery? In the, in the household. In the household, okay. And uh, uh, to help Annie out because she yeah. was too busy, and my mom couldn't do anything. Yeah. 
So uh, when she got married, um, we needed somebody else. And then my dad's brother in Druten said that he had a daughter, Nelly, my cousin, and she could come over to help in the household. And Nelly was very much an introvert and uh, she had to kind of get loosened up because she couldn't go to life shying away from everything. And my uncle Wim, uh, William, Bill, whatever, Bill, but Oma Wim, he, uh, uh, he brought Nelly over one day and Nelly stayed to, to work. But after a few months, Nelly got homesick. The changes culturally and linguistically they were too big and she got homesick. And being what she is, it's understandable that she got homesick. And uh, so she went home and then we, my dad hired this girl who lived just up the street or uh, half a click farther. And uh, she was about Joseph's age, the same age as uh, Will's sister who died in the later years of the war uh, of some kind of a disease. Anyway, uh, Tony, Tony Hendricks came to live, uh, came to work at our place and uh, she was done with school, Joseph was done with school and once in a while Joseph would stop in and when he found out that Tony was working over at our place, he goes through, of course he can go to the kitchen, he is one of ours, so he comes in and he starts, he runs into Tony and, yeah, oh yeah, I'm working here and blah blah. So they get to talking and they get to talking more and uh, all of a sudden, Joseph is coming more home than he ever did before. So uh, he, uh, uh, the, they get along and he starts to walk her home after she is done at our place. Because she walked home, it was. Uh, uh, from here to just past yeah. Broadway. Yeah. Anyway, uh, and they got cozier and cozier all the time, and well, you know how it goes. So uh, that turned into a boyfriend girlfriend, and uh, things got more serious, and they got married. And in the beginning, they lived in Eindhoven. They got married in 1955. And I remember I was living in Oshawa when I got the notice that Joseph and Tony, Tony was her name, mm -hmm. uh, just as like my mom, and uh, they were going to get married. And uh, I didn't know much about uh, what are the the rules and regulations and what the do's and the don'ts and your obligations, what do you do when somebody gets married or baptized or whatever. And here I am in Canada and they are there. And uh, so living in Oshawa, I was walking downtown, come by a jewelry store and they had the globe and it looked like gold, it was brass. 
and it was all etched out in the, the entire uh, the, the land and the oceans and whatnot was engraved on that globe and it stood about what eight eight inches high and it opened up and when you take the one half of the other half like the, you, you take the, the top half there was a clock and there was a little mirror inside and you could see the clock was facing up but you could see the time in the mirror oh, okay. I was fascinated by that and I thought that ought to be a, a good enough uh, wedding present so I bought it it was expensive enough too but I knew for sure it was something that they wouldn't have back home especially not in 1955 because that was too soon after the war and the things of necessity were far greater than these luxury things. Luxury was extremely expensive because the that imported stuff was almost out of reach and uh, so anyway I sent that over. Little did I know how crooked that the mail can be either here or there and over there and unknown to me, that thing never got to their wedding. It was, well, there was no insurance on it. I didn't know that I should put insurance on it. And nobody told me in the post office when I mailed it. So uh, there's no insurance. Haha. <laughs> I'll find out what is in it. So a lot of the mailmen would take that home. They're not above that stuff. And when I came home for the first time, and uh, we got to talking about wedding and whatnot, I never got anything for my wedding. So uh, at the time I thought, well, yeah, he is a bit tight like bark on a tree. Um, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I said, how uh, how did you like that globe? He said, what globe? So we got to talking about it, explained. He said, I never got it. That's when I found out it had to be snatched because uh, that you insured. Insured? What for? I don't need guarantees or insurance. But for the mail, I was so naive, I didn't know that that could be done. Anyhow, he never got his present, and well, that's how it was. Uh, but it didn't make uh, relations any better either. But yeah, I uh, I did send that, and too bad it got lost. Did Joseph and Tony have any kids? Yeah, they had two children, as normal as can be. Maria was the first one, and Sylvia was the second one, the youngest one. They had two, and uh, uh, they. When I met them in '78, they each had boyfriends, and they were going. And the old Maria was going out with this guy, and he was going to med school. And I don't know what the guy did. That his name was Peter. That uh, Sylvia was going out with, but that didn't last long. Uh, they broke off, and then uh, Sylvia met this man, he was an older guy, and he got to be 
he turned out to be very jealous and possessive and whatnot. She had a hard time breaking up with him. Anyhow, then she met her husband, Marius, and she married him, and they had a son between them, but Marius had been married, and he had two girls from his previous marriage. But Marius and Sylvia had a son together, Joost, and uh, he was about three or four when I went to visit him. And in, in a later visit, not in at that time, of course. And uh, Marius took over his dad's business. Uh, he had a, a seafood store, and he used to go to the harbors where they bring in the boats with fish, and then bring it home in big crates or vats or what have you, and. They clean it up and make it ready for consumption. And uh, no, that was all going great. The girls were well set, and Maria got married to that doctor. And Maria, they had three, four, five kids anyway. I don't know offhand exactly, but if I take them, if I can count them up. But anyway, yeah, that is how. Uh, and then Joseph, when he retired, uh, what did he do for a living? The bookkeeping. He, yeah, yeah. He, he got. He went from Eindhoven when he got his final uh, paper, the final diploma. He could apply for the job in Nijmegen, and he would sooner live in Nijmegen than in Eindhoven. Mm -hmm. He actually, I was working in Eindhoven when my mom died, and he was in Eindhoven at the time too, but he wasn't married then. Mm -hmm. But he was living there working for that bookkeeping outfit. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, he, he moved to Nijmegen, bought a house there, and, well, yeah. as it usually goes, raised the kids. And then when, uh, when Joseph died in 2012, he, uh, he would have been about 85. Yeah. yeah. And then uh, his, he was actually in an institution for a while because the, the dementia was bad enough that his wife being also of that age, they were yeah. uh, less than a year apart. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, she was then widowed and she was sitting home and trying to get through but you know the, uh, it is hard when you lose your spouse of so many spouse of so many years mm -hmm. and uh, it wasn't a couple of years I think after that and then she died but anyway that is how Joseph fared uh, there may be the odd thing that sometimes uh, springs up in my mind, mm -hmm. but uh, I never had too many interactions with uh, with Joseph except what, what I said. Yeah. Did he ever come to Canada at all? No, no, no. No, he, uh, uh, funny, the first time when I visited there in 78, mm -hmm. and that was quite a thing because 
and 54, uh, there was 24 years after I left when I went back for holidays for the first time. I was there in 63 because my dad was in the hospital, but that was not a holiday and I never went anywhere special. So anyway, uh, 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 so was, that was so you visited them. He never came to Canada. No, no, because so unlike we, Harry, he wasn't interested in coming to Canada. Oh, Harry. Well, Harry came to Canada. I think oh, yeah. Theo came to Canada, but you would have if he had not died. Yeah, you would have, but not He would have probably come and stayed. Yeah. Harry was feeling very bad that he never had the guts to come when I did yeah. because he loved this country. He yeah. was totally in love with Canada, but what could he do at yeah. that stage? Yeah. You know, when no, you don't go immigrate when you're retired. Yeah. So, uh, he, uh, Joseph, when I went in 78, as I was saying, yeah. and then my sister Annie and Harry and Theo, my brothers, they got together and they gave me a dinner in a restaurant. And uh, because it was the first time I went for holidays and it was something special. And it was a terrific evening. And so I casually said to Harry, where is Joseph? Well, uh, he says, uh, since you asked me, Annie and Theo and I, we got together and we should give Albert a dinner. And uh, we picked out a restaurant in Ude. And the restaurant in Ude was kind of a fancy place. And it was, at the time, I don't know if it still exists or what it is called today, but at the time it was called Le Cochon, the pig in French. Restaurants said usually that was the fad, you got to have a French name. Yeah. And uh, it was a terrific dinner, but they decided that they split the bill four ways. Harry, uh, uh, Theo, Joseph and Annie. Joseph said, uh, I'm not going to pay for that. He said, no, I'm not coming. So he didn't. Uh, he was a bit of a cheapskate. Anyway, he didn't come, and we had our dinner, and we had a great time. And I will never forget the occasion because I immensely enjoyed the the ambiance in that restaurant was terrific, mm -hmm. and the conversation we had, and the remember when you know you you go through. You remember this? Remember that? And Theo and I we sat there laughing, tears coming down, and uh, and then Harry. He was the old, like, the parent kind of thing, and uh, yeah, I remember that. And then he would pipe up, and remember when that, uh, oh yeah, oh, oh yeah. He always had to remind us of when dad got into the picture, because it was never, it was always a bad omen. So, uh, yeah, that was our dinner in 78. and. Uh, uh, <laughs> so many things, so many things happen in life. I have trouble getting them in proper order 
because it is just a mumble jumble. Uh, I can go and lie down and something that I may never have thought of for years and years or ever since I left. And it, in, all of a sudden it pops into my mind and then I either lie there laughing like crazy or uh, feeling very sad to the point of feeling tears welling up, depending on the emotion. Uh, it, it is, it's amazing how, how fortunate it is when you have memory because like I say many times, you can relive your life. And when I close my eyes, I, I see the people. I, if I want to see Will the way he was at the time, I just close my eyes. And, I, and one thing that I remember uh, with Theo, yeah. Theo and I, and Herman Cornelissen, that was the youngest brother of Pete Cornelissen, who was the husband of my oldest sister, Ria. And, and they lived just Kitty Corner across the road from us. And uh, Herman and Theo were friends. And Will and I were friends. And the four of us, it was that time of year, and the teacher in the school, Mr. Christians, the teacher, Mr. Christians, terrific teacher, and fantastic in, in, in history, especially local history and he could tell you stories and he we were there way back in time he could dress it up in such a way that in your mind you could picture what it must have looked like it was terrific i loved uh, the, his classes anyway he had said that from birch sap sap from a birch tree you can make wine and you take a bottle, wash it out and you climb in the birch tree or reach a branch that is thin enough that can go into the neck of the bottle, put a piece of binding twine, binders twine on it mm -hmm. and then tie it to the branch. The weight of the bottle will hang it down so that the sap and in the spring the sap runs that was in the spring and it goes into the bottle, it goes into the bottle and then the next day or two days later you can go and you take the bottle off the tree and uh, then you can ferment it and you got to put sugar in so the whole spiel of how you make wine out of that sap and then you have birch wine same as we make other wines the hands-on kind of teaching he did well we were fascinated by that so we got to talk and then uh, we maybe should, maybe we should try that. And down the road, it was a dirt road coming to where the four holes came together where we lived. And down the dirt road, there was a farmer and in his field, at the edge of his field, there was a great big uh, birch tree. And of course, two and two is four. We go home and we each get a bottle and uh, we got a bottle because they had a cafe so they had bottles. Mm -hmm. We had bottles because uh, we had a store. So Herman and Theo got the bottle at home at our place and so did I. We got some binders wine, we had all kinds of it. 
and we go up to that tree and we cut the branch off and we put the bottle on and we tie it up and here is four bottles hanging on that tree and here we are praying for the sap to run so we can make our wine and uh, we go back the next day yeah 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 and one has this much the other one has that much and uh, Herman had almost half a bottle and uh, well I hope it's not gonna run over oh no it'll be good but I'm coming back tomorrow because tomorrow bottle is probably full so the next day we come back and we had these clear bottles so we could see what was happening inside and you had a choice brown or green or clear and uh, we take our individual bottles off and then Herman had more than we did and we go home and what does it taste like? I don't know, no, I'm gonna make wine first, I don't and then Herman said, Look, I got lots of it all the teacher is crazy, it tastes like piss what do you mean? well it sure does, and so we looked at the difference and then we noticed that his birch sap was a little bit yellower than ours even though it came off the same tree the oldest son of the farmer had noticed those bottles on that tree and he drank Herman's bottle which was the easiest to reach took it off, drank all the sap had to pee, put it in the bottle and had to pee again, put it in the bottle and put it on the tree so that's why he had more than we did anyhow, yeah that was our <laughs> birth of my experience uh, and it did taste good once it was fermented mm -hmm. and I think Theo shared his with Herman mm -hmm. because he, he did it. his wouldn't ferment uh, <laughs> it's funny that something like that all of a sudden I, it comes to mind you know never think of it for years or if ever uh, but yeah and I, <laughs> yeah we went at certain times of the year you play different games you know like they were season sensitive like mm -hmm. and uh, the we had some kind of growth and it looked like these green onions and they, they grew about a foot and a half two feet long at times and they were like hollow little thin hollow pipes and they would have a little flower on the top some of them and we would pick them off and we would sit at the edge of the dish because they grew profusely around where there, where there was a culvert uh, in that little dirt street and we would sit there and braid those things and braid them together and put flowers in them and then we tie them together with uh, there was the bezet we called it I don't know what a beast is in, in English, but anyway, that is what we call it, uh, beeson, the, the plural. And we would braid that together, and of course you have a girl that you like better. 
and we all had, but of course we would never admit that we had, uh, there was a girl that you really liked because at that age uh, you would never admit that you really could like a girl. Yeah, just, you know, to, just to clarify, when you say we, we, who, you and... There was uh, Wheel and I. Yeah. And uh, so uh, we would uh, pray that and then we give it to the girls and uh, they were happy because they got this crown that they put on the head with the flowers coming out. And sometimes if you didn't find enough flowers that were on the, on the end of the beast, then we would take uh, clover flowers and weave that in somehow. So you still have flowers all the way around. Because otherwise uh, you can't give just a green braided circle to the girl that, is that how much you care about me? So you had to dress it up and they, some, sometimes they came out beautiful. It was a bit artistic really. We learned to braid at the same time. Yeah, that was... Uh, Who was a better braider, you or Wheel? I... I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to say... Uh, Wheel... He was... He was quite... Talented. He was quite inventive too. Uh, well, I guess... Uh, in our own ways, we had our own kind of specialties, which is a, a nice thing really, because I could learn things from him and do things and he would show me, and vice versa. Yeah. So, uh, no, we were a perfect match in that respect and many others. Uh, so the, the, the weaves you were making or the crowns you are making were really kind of lures for girls, so well, which one caught the biggest fish, I guess? Is the, the uh, well, that depends. <laughs> See, uh, uh, <laughs> that reminds me of this guy. He was older, and he was old enough to have been married and have kids, but he was single. And just our side of where he lived, there was this guy, and they come out of the church on a Sunday. And by then, this older guy got himself a girlfriend. But she was not what you call uh, something to write home about or to go and show off. But she was a nice woman, but uh, it was not, a, uh, not one of those expensive dolls that, that are Im impossible to keep up with. And uh, so the guy said, Tone. Uh, how could you go out with her? She doesn't look that nice. Yeah, he said, I know, maybe not to you, but you don't see her through my eyes. And that's what makes the difference. It is the eyes with which you see a person. So uh, the girl that we'll ended up giving the count to was maybe different than the one. Sure, they were different, but who was better or worse? I always thought that I got the best one. Yeah. Otherwise, we would have ended up fighting for it. Yeah. But we never fought over it. Uh, when it comes to girls, we were very easy going. We were that our friends for. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> that is fast forward to a, 
points in time. We brought that up one time when he phoned me in the middle of the night from Australia. Yeah. And uh, and he said, uh, have you got any 2 by 4s Because his cousin from Whitby was visiting in Australia. And his wheels brother lived in New Zealand, so he was visiting there too at the same time. And uh, so Harry from Whitby was telling Will all about uh, Whitby and life here. And, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, sure, I know Albert, I remember. We're best friends. So anyhow, he phoned and it was n around noon at their place, but it was midnight for me. And we had the phone beside the bed there in Whitby and I picked up the phone. I thought, what the hell, somebody must be in the emergency. And then I hear the voice, hi. And then he says, uh, do you have any two-by-fours? I thought, you know, from the demolition. I was in demolition at the time. And uh, I said, who in the hell wants two-by-fours in the middle of the night? I said, you're drunk, why don't you call tomorrow? I couldn't kill as if he bought. I, I, who are you anyway? Wheel. I said, what? Wheel what? You, you don't remember Wheel? Wheel van Hellem. I said, my, my body, I said, I don't believe you. I said, Wheel went to Australia. Yeah, that's where I am, he said. I said, I don't believe you. He says, remember, I had a girlfriend once, and she, she was a nice girl, but during the week, I met this girl and I wanted to go and see her. She was she was nice looking. She was oh the, the, the picture over the girl he was going with. And uh, I just wanted to go and and as he put it, try try her out. Yeah. That's how we put it. <laughs> and uh, uh, he said, but my girlfriend, uh, I got to go on Sunday. And you know, on Sunday, I got to go and see my girlfriend. And she'll be upset if I don't come. But I can't come because I got to go to see the other girl. Would you do me a favor? I said, well, tell me. He says, can you go out with her? I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. And uh, so she's busy. And then the next Sunday, if I don't like the one that I went to, I take her back. Otherwise, you can keep her if you want. I said, well, damn it, you are real, because I don't know if anybody ever knew, but that was real. Anyway, I did go out with her on that Sunday, and uh, we came back uh, disappointed, and he took her back, and so he went his way, and I went yeah. mine, and we, we were happy. Yeah. But yeah, that was the same wheel, and it's amazing. He was a watchmaker. And he was working for this clockmaker guy in St. Hubert. It was a town uh, a little bit over. And uh, they had watches and, well, they, there comes a time when you got to let go of a watch. It had its days. So there is some watches that go out and we'll go through there. And, picks them out and he's got, uh, puts a new bracelet on, like, uh, gets it to work, 
I said, Will I, one night, I said, Will, do you, I don't have a wristwatch. Uh, do you sell any uh, used ones? They're always cheaper. Yeah, he says, I'll look for it. And the next day he calls me over and he said, yeah, I got one here. And it had the gray, light gray plastic bracelet on it that with a, a hasp on it in the middle that you, just like a belt. And uh, I look at it and says, how much? 15 gilders. I said, sold. So. What, what, what's 15 gilders? But, uh, that's a, here you would say 15 bucks because okay. uh, yep. at the time the exchange rate was about four guilders for one dollar, yep. one Canadian dollar. And But that was before I was in Canada and uh, so I had a wristwatch. But I would have been better off with a broken one because a broken one is at least accurate twice in 24 hours. And this one here, it would run or it would stop and it would run, it would stop, but it was never on time. And I said, a few days later, I said, Bill, the, uh, I like my money back because this watch is, is, is no hell. The thing stops and goes and stops and goes, but I can't depend on it. I said, I'm better off to uh, try to look at the clock on the church table. Well, he said, but you knew it was used. I said, yeah, but I also figured that it would work. He said, well, that, that's tough luck. He said, I can't help it. Maybe you banged it against something. But he, oh, he was a keen salesman. Mm -hmm. And no, he did not give me the money back. And I got stuck with that bloody watch and I was out 15 bucks. But uh, I never held it against him because I should have been smarter. I should never have believed him. I, I, I knew him better than, because he was, he was always uh, listening to the farmers when they come after mass on Sunday in the cafe and they were bargaining back and forth selling pigs and calves and cows and what have you. And we heard that. Go Rick, go to see Rick. No, oh, yeah, we got a bee buzzing around, kind of interrupting us. So, so anyway, it, uh, that was my first watch. Yeah. Now you can get those Timex um, uh, yeah. well, watches, so, and they run forever. Sounds like Wheel was a bit of a wheeler dealer. Oh yeah, and the funny thing, he went as a watchmaker to Australia, mm -hmm. but like some other trades, they didn't exist there. And, uh, but he had work, uh, however it was, and, uh, but his eyes were not the best. Mm -hmm. And he had what you call a wandering eye. And he had it already patched up when we were going to school. And uh, some kids even, uh, joked about it, you know, uh, mocked him, and, uh... Well, it sounded like you had it when it came to girls, too, from the story. Uh, uh well, <laughs> uh, we all had a keen eye yeah. in that respect, and, uh, uh, what a man he was. Anyway, he, uh, 
when he was in Australia, he uh, went to the doctor to get his eyes checked because as a watchmaker you got to have good eyes. So anyway, he uh, went there one time and the doctor told him, I'm sorry, but I think you're going to have to look for other work because if you keep on doing watch work, your eyes are not going to hold up and you're going to lose out. So, And his brother-in-law was in Australia and he was working for a contractor. So it wasn't long after that that we went to work with his brother-in-law and he left the watch business because of course he didn't want to go blind. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then he got to talk to his brother-in-law and he said, why are we working for this guy, making money hand over fist for him, and he gives us a pittance. I can do this on my own, he says. You and I, we go business for ourselves. So uh, anyway, uh, he never looked back. He made all great and I'm very happy. So that was that was real. Now now I'm in touch with his youngest son. And he reminds me so much of his dad. So much. It is such a joy. But anyway, yeah, so uh, that that was Joseph. And I covered tail. Well, a little bit. We'll get into. I think looking at time, we're almost done here. So I think we kind of went through Joseph a little bit. Or Franz was there and gone. And then I think next week maybe we'll pick up a little more on tail because I got a feeling there's a lot more shenanigans that went on with tail that we haven't been able to uh, cover off on the episode. I don't know because I was. I went to uh, kindergarten, like the, what they call the small kindergarten and then the big kindergarten and then to grade one because I was that age that I could go when I was four years old. Mm. But anyhow, yeah, that uh, Mateo and I, we were, we were together at home, but outside of the house we had our own friends yeah. and in school we had our own friends yeah. too. Yeah. Well, we'll hold that story on to next week, I think. Yeah, That's okay. a good spot to put a point on it and uh, we'll talk to everyone next week. Okay. Okay.